Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn how the concept of nudge has helped governments and corporations around the world change your behavior with Nobel Prize winning economist Richard Thaler. You'll also learn about how scientists are building better robots by watching squirrels do parkour. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Back in 2008, behavioral economists Richard Thaler and Cass Sunstein published the book Nudge. It was all about how tiny changes in how people make choices can have big outcomes. Now, a lot has happened since then. Organizations in the private and public sector have adopted strategies in the book, and Richard Thaler was awarded the 2017 Nobel Prize in Economics all while people have faced new and different challenges in their decision-making. So Richard Thaler and Cass Sunstein decided to publish a new edition of their mega bestseller called Nudge the Final Edition. Here's a conversation we had with Richard Thaler about the basics of nudge theory and how things have changed since the first edition. A nudge is some small feature of the environment that attracts our attention and influences our behavior without requiring us to do anything. So modern cars are full of nudges. If you're too close to the car in front of you, it beeps. If it's a fancy car, it might even break. A GPS device suggests a route, but you pick the place you want to go and you can change your mind or take a different route. Yesterday I was going somewhere and there was a big traffic jam. And so I got off and the GPS doesn't complain. It's not a backseat driver. So the idea of nudge is, can we make the world more like driving with the GPS? Both Cass and I are, have terrible senses of direction. If our wives are not with us, we're lost. So we like the idea of having GPS for everything in life. That's kind of the idea of Nudge. Have governments and companies kind of taken these suggestions since the original book was published? Are there examples of that? Well, governments almost immediately. So the book came out in 2008 during the presidential campaign. And, you know, Cass was at the University of Chicago at the time teaching in the law school. And he had a former colleague who had recently been elected to the Senate, who soon became president, and hired his ex-colleague to be an important member of the Obama administration. So Cass was immediately tasked with implementing some of these things in the Obama administration. And then a couple of years later, David Cameron was elected prime minister in the UK. And he asked me to help him create what was called the behavioral insights team. Although colloquially, it was known as the nudge unit. <laughs> and there are now 400 nudge units around the world, according to somebody who counts these. I have no idea how they count them. Uh, so certainly governments are using these ideas. And in the private sector, an idea that came from this research is 
called automatic enrollment. We know if something's the default, then it's likely to be adopted. So if people are listening to this podcast, if they do nothing, they keep listening to it, right? That's the default. And we're really good at doing nothing. So defaults have a powerful effect. When 401k plans were first created, and that's a fairly new thing, like mid-80s, it used to be to join, you had to fill out a bunch of forms, decide how much to save and how to invest. People would procrastinate about that. Although it's a no-brainer to join if your company is giving a match, you should join. So the idea was, let's change the default and say, we're going to enroll you unless you fill out some form and opt out. Well, bingo, 90% of the people are in because we made it easy. And now most firms do that. And countries around the world, in the UK, there's essentially a national 401k plan called NEST. And they used automatic enrollment. There was, there was a big debate. Should it be mandatory? They said, no, we're going to do automatic enrollment. 91% are in. So there you go. When you make good things the default, people tend to choose good things. Again, that was Richard Thaler, recipient of the 2017 Nobel Prize in Economics and co-author of the new book, Nudge, the Final Edition. Richard will be back tomorrow to talk about the darker side of nudge theory. So don't forget to come back. You're not going to want to miss it. If you just set it to auto download, then it's just the default. You got to listen. There you go. <laughs> Squirrels seem to leap effortlessly through the treetops, but it's not clear how they learn to pull off such parkour like maneuvers without falling. Recently, a group of researchers set up a squirrely obstacle course and recorded their sleek moves with high-speed cameras to learn their secrets. The researchers weren't just out to film a viral YouTube video, though. Understanding how different animals maneuver through their environments is an important step in designing robots that can do the same things. Previous research into the Velcro-like grip of geckos and the wall-climbing abilities of cockroaches has led to important advancements in robotics and material science. If we know how squirrels parkour through the trees, a squirrel-like robot may not be far behind. To find participants for their experiment, the researchers recruited volunteers from their university campus. The volunteers were all fox squirrels. They were rewarded for navigating the tiny ninja warrior course with a small cup of peanuts at the end. The course was made up of rods that simulated tree branches. And like tree branches, some were rigid while others were more springy. The stiffness and flexibility of the quote-unquote branches was important, since the squirrels would adjust their jumping strategies to match. For the more rigid branches, the squirrels would hop from the end of the branch, but when the branch was bendy enough to flex under the squirrel's weight, they would leap from the sturdiest point on the branch, presumably to maximize the stability of the launch. As impressive as their acrobatics were, the squirrels weren't perfect. They'd often overshoot their jumps, especially when they had to jump over a wide gap. But slow-motion videos revealed that the squirrels had ways of correcting their mistakes in midair. They could shift their weight during the jump in order to grab a branch they might otherwise miss. 
As a result, despite a few miscalculations, the squirrels almost never missed their target. But the most impressive part was when the squirrels were faced with a long jump. Like, really long. Three to five body lengths. In those cases, the squirrels would run up the wall behind them, launch themselves off of it, and perform a partial backflip, often grabbing the branch with their back feet. So impressive. Squirrels have had generations of evolution to perfect this athletic way of avoiding predators and searching for food. Maybe someday we'll have squirrel-sized robots that can use impressive acrobatics to fly from branch to branch. Well, maybe it's not flying. It's falling with style. Ashley, let's do a quick recap of what we learned today with style. Well, we learned that a nudge is basically something that attracts our attention and influences what we do without requiring us to do anything. Because it turns out that humans are pretty good at not doing anything. Richard Thaler was awarded the 2017 Nobel Prize in Economics for exploring this idea and for his other contributions to behavioral economics. And governments and companies around the world have implemented programs that use nudges. If you've ever started working for a company where you are auto-enrolled in a 401k program or auto-enrolled in kind of anything, then you've benefited from a nudge. And fun fact, this is in the intro to the book, but we asked Richard Thaler also about the title of the book, Nudge, the Final Edition. And that in itself is a nudge. Because he said that he doesn't feel like revisiting the book and doing another edition. So they called it the final edition so that there's an excuse to not have to write a new edition. And he did tell us that if anybody does want to write a new edition of the book, it will be his co-author, Cass Sunstein, because he said in no uncertain terms that it will not be him. This is alluded to in the book, but the book doesn't explicitly say which one of them would be the writer. Pretty funny. That's great. Yeah, Nudge was huge. I mean... I remember reading it when I was in college. It's amazing how much it's changed things. I mean, I know we established that, but yeah, it's just I'm very, very impressed. And I know I said like six times that Richard Thaler was awarded the 2017 Nobel Prize in Economics. But I mean, this is the first Nobel Prize winner we've had on Curiosity Daily. So kind of exciting for Ashley and me. Yeah, very exciting. Like, I'm excited about everybody we talk to, but... Yeah. We also learned that squirrels use impressively acrobatic maneuvers to jump from tree branch to tree branch. Even when they misjudge their target, they can shift their weight in midair to correct their mistakes. Scientists are studying this sort of squirrel parkour in hopes of one day creating robots that are just as acrobatic. It's like they say, Ashley, a loop, a whirl and a vertical climb. And once again, you know, it's time for robots. Rocky and Bullwinkle? Yeah. Nice. I have a squirrel in my yard (laughs) that eats all the bird seed. They are so good at what they do. They are so good at their little squirrel jobs. (laughs) Because at first, I had a regular old, like, seed feeder for the birds, and it would just climb onto it and just eat out of it like it was a water fountain. Just like, ah, like, just put its mouth into the little, you know, receptacles. So then someone on Twitter told me about a special squirrel buster seed feeder that actually closes if an animal is too heavy for it. So that will keep squirrels out. And so I started using that and the squirrels don't try to eat the seed from that. But then they they just started eating 
from the suet feeder that I have. Now, suet is like birdseed in like fat. It's almost like butter filled with birdseed. And they will just chomp through the grate and just take big bites out of the butter. And uh, I will walk past the window that these feeders are hanging from and I'll just see them just like (laughs) they don't care that I'm there. They're just like, you can't hurt me. I'm just going to eat this. I mean, I'm I'm kind of impressed. And they are kind of cute, so I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> They're amazing to watch. They, they look really kind of freaky up close. Freaky? They're kind of weird looking, right? Like, they look kind of mean, and their little gnarled hands are kind of terrifying. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, no, they're, they're very cute from, like, at least 10 feet away, I think. And then once you close in on that, it's like, oh, oh, that's what I'm looking at. And I would be remiss if I did not mention the amazing squirrel obstacle course that YouTuber Mark Rober made in his backyard. It's incredible. Everyone needs to go see it. There is a link in the show notes. And it's it's great. And it will actually make you look at squirrels in a whole new way. If you have squirrels that are eating your birdseed, you might look at them a little more kindly once you see the amazing acrobatics that these squirrels can do. Yeah, it's right there in the show notes. Way to nudge people to check it out, Ashley. (laughs) Yeah. The writer for today's first story was Cameron Duke. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer, who is also an audio editor on today's episode. Our producer and lead audio editor is Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow for A Thunder of Jets and an Open Sky, A Streak of Curiosity, and a Cheerful Hi! To learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.